Like most things these days, it has been a strange 4th of July. As part of our collective action to keep each other safe, we have foregone many of the 4th of July traditions. No fireworks, no parades, no public picnics or pancake breakfasts. Or like so many other things, maybe we've adapted those traditions and created something new. So in the churches that I grew up in on a day like today, we would still be talking about the 4th of July in church about our national life on this national day. We might sing a national hymn or two, America the Beautiful, something like that. Our observance of the 4th of July would not quite be over, even in church. Now, that's not a tradition you're likely to see in Bay Area churches, different contexts, uh, particularly in these days as we're hyper aware of the dangers of nationalism, the raw power of white nationalism in particular to suppress and to oppress and to kill. So in places like the Bay Area, we tend to let occasions like the 4th of July pass on by, relatively unmentioned in our life of faith and in our worship. We might sing a song or two, but we don't go there in any depth. But you know, in our reaction to all that, and it's a healthy reaction, we might actually miss an opportunity. Because you see, days like the 4th of July do give us the opportunity to stand at the intersection of faith and public life and to reflect seriously on the ways that we're called to live out our faith the way of Jesus in the world, to reflect on how we are called to engage the issues of our day in our communities, in our state, and in our nation for the blessing and the healing of the world God loves. So this morning's scripture gives us the opportunity to reflect on freedom. For freedom, Christ has set you free. And Vivian will come and read us this passage from Paul's letter to the Galatians chapter 5. Vivian. Thank you, Scott. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, siblings. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you as I warned you before. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Holy God, thank you for all the ways you have created us to live in community together. The community, local community and national community and global community. Give us eyes and ears and hearts now to listen for a word from you that will deepen the ways that we live life together. Amen. So on this 4th of July weekend, our scripture this morning opens up the opportunity for us to reflect on freedom. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Freedom is not only a political value to be celebrated on National Day, it's one of the central themes of scripture. From the freedom story of how God leads the people out of slavery into a land of promise, to a savior who comes to free God's people from everything that would do us harm. Sitting here today, where, wherever we are, we are people who claim freedom in Jesus Christ, and we are people who live in a nation that offers us a significant range of personal freedom and that also boldly promises freedom for all people. So for the next few minutes, I'd like us to think about freedom, biblical freedom, and constitutional freedom. Freedom at the intersection of faith and public life, and you just happen to have a preacher who's also a constitutional lawyer, so there's that. So if we're going to ground ourselves in the scripture, for freedom Christ has set us free, the first thing we need to do is think about what the Apostle Paul might have been saying in the context of his world. Paul's writing these words in the early days of Christianity, about 20 or so years after Jesus' death, maybe, maybe a little bit more. And Paul's traveling at lightning speed through the Mediterranean world, preaching the liberating good news of Jesus Christ. It is urgent to him. And because they're still arguing over what the way of Jesus means, Paul is arguing against a particular understanding of the law that is standing in the way. He's arguing against an understanding of the law that separates us that excludes us, that says some folks are in and some folks are out. Paul is arguing fervently and passionately, no, no, God's love for us in Jesus Christ has broken down all those barriers. Everything that separates us from each other, everything that separates us from God in Christ, God loves us all and in Christ, God has set us free. And so Paul proclaims, for freedom, Christ has set us free. We're free of all that, it couldn't be more clear. But then Paul goes on. He writes, we're no longer slaves to the law, become slaves to each other. And then he says, and don't do these things and rattles off a list. Instead, leave out these things, do these things, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law. The Apostle Paul lists out what Bill Maher might call some new rules. And that just raises all kinds of questions. Are we free or not? For freedom, Christ has set us free. If there's no law anymore, does that mean we're free to do anything we want? Is freedom just another word for nothing left to lose? Really? 
because that sounds like anarchy. And I don't think that the Apostle Paul means that, or, or is what he's really saying just that the old law is gone, but here's a new law, a new set of do's and don'ts. Are we just subject to another law? And what on earth does it mean to be free by becoming slaves to each other? Are we free or not? Now, those are all good questions. But I want to ask a different question of this scripture, and that question is this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Whose freedom? All those other questions assume that through all this, Paul is talking about our freedom, your freedom, my freedom, and only our freedom, freedom in the first person. But I'm not so sure that's all there is to this text. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Whose freedom? For whose freedom has Christ set us free? You see, whenever we use the word freedom in any given context, we might be talking about a whole range of different aspects of freedom. At the most fundamental level, there is freedom too. Freedom too is that basic quality of freedom. We're free to do something. I'm free to move from here to over there. I'm not constrained. I'm not physically confined. I'm free to speak. We are free to decide to do this or to do that. This is the fundamental quality of freedom that expresses our agency in the world, our autonomy, our freedom to decide, to act, to do, and to be. Then surrounding all that, there is freedom from. And that just recognizes that we don't live our lives free as we may be independently of other people. We live our lives within systems and structures, within communities and families and nations, and those systems and structures can limit and constrain and oppress. A substantial part of the biblical story is about freedom from the forces that oppress, what the Apostle Paul might call the powers. Freedom from slavery, freedom from empire, freedom from sin, and even in Jesus Christ, freedom from death. And in our day, freedom from racism and misogyny and homophobia and transphobia and xenophobia, freedom from everything that holds us down and holds us back. Our constitutional system similarly values, expresses, and protects these aspects of our freedom, freedom to and freedom from. The Bill of Rights guarantees the freedom to speak, the freedom to protest and later amendments, the freedom to vote. The Bill of Rights provides freedom from unreasonable search and arrest, freedom from unlawful detention, freedom from cruel and unusual punishment, freedom from the unequal application of the law. Freedom to and freedom from, expressed in both the story of scripture and in our nation's constitution. Freedom to do all those things that enable us to live lives of meaning. Freedom from all those things, those power that would hold us back, that deny our full humanity, our full dignity. But we're asking one more question this morning. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Whose freedom? For whose freedom has Christ set us free? This question takes us to the next level and insists that our freedom is not ours alone. 
Our freedom is connected with the lives of others. Our freedom is bound up in the lives, in the freedom of others. As someone once said, none of us is free until all of us is free. We're talking about freedom for. That's at the heart of this text. That's what Paul's talking about when he suggests that we become slaves or servants to each other, that we bind ourselves to each other's well-being, what Brad Braxton names as a paradox. Our Christian freedom manifests itself in love as slavery to the well-being of others. It's what Apostle, the Apostle Paul means when he makes those lists, the list of behaviors to avoid that separate us from each other, and the list of values grounded in love that draw us more deeply into community, that give us life, the fruits of the Spirit, our freedom. Our freedom is freedom for the well-being of others, specific others. This notion of freedom for runs throughout Scripture. In the Hebrew Scriptures, again and again, our freedom is for the freedom and the care of the most vulnerable in our midst, for the widow, for the orphan, for the stranger in our midst. Jesus picks that up when he says, I've come to preach good news to the poor, to bring release for the captive, to free the oppressed. Christ frees us so that we can live lives that free others. Freedom for the poor, for the captive, for anyone who is oppressed in any way that they are oppressed. Freedom for the freedom and life and well-being of every person. Freedom for. And same thing in our national context with our constitutional freedoms. Those freedoms aren't just randomly there in the First Amendment. They are specific freedoms, specific freedoms that are intended to guarantee full and free participation in a democratic system where each person can be free to pursue life, liberty, and a meaningful life. Freedom for a common life that protects and promotes the freedom and well-being of all people. So if we take this scripture seriously, for freedom, Christ has set us free. And if we understand that we are talking about the freedom to live meaningful lives, the freedom from everything that holds us back, and freedom for all people, then this must be true. This scripture requires that we stand at the intersection of faith and public life, and that we look around in our world and ask, who is not free? And that we then go and stand there, that we then go and work there. And in those days, we don't, these days, we don't need to look far. Did you know that we are still holding children in detention camps at our borders? A year ago, that's what we were talking about as we began to see the pictures from those detention camps. Our nation had started a practice of separating children from their families at the borders and then detaining children in appalling living conditions that were subsequently condemned by the government's own inspector general. But just a week ago, just last week, a federal judge had to order ICE to release the child detainees, finding that the administration is failing to provide even the most basic health protections for child detainees during this COVID-19 pandemic. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Each week since the murder of George Floyd, we've been joining in the national discussion and the national work of dismantling centuries of systemic racism. What we've seen plainly in these days 
And what we should have seen clearly before is that black Americans can't move through the American streets with the same freedom of movement that white Americans have. That this nation has yet to provide the constitutionally promised equal protection of the law. Royce is gonna come in just a little bit and say something about the anti-racism team that is forming in the congregation with specifics about plans for our shared work. This year, this congregation has already been working to support voting rights. With growing awareness of the active efforts across the country to suppress black voting rights, with folks turning up at election polls only to find that their names have been purged and removed. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I wanna talk about one more way that the concept of freedom is particularly part of the national conversation right now. In this time of pandemic, freedom is being invoked as a reason not to wear a face mask or a face cover covering. We've seen it on the news. There, there are folks who are just refusing to wear face coverings during pandemic saying, it's my right not to wear a mask. That's part of my American freedom. Well, as a first thing, there is no constitutional provision or right that gives the freedom to disregard public health directives. I went back and I checked. And we know that this choice, this exercise of so-called freedom puts others at risk of illness and death. And we're seeing this surge in COVID-19 cases. Neither American constitutional freedom nor biblical Christian freedom is about the freedom to do as we please without regard for the well-being of others. There are so many things that we are collectively giving up now as part of our freedom to live for the freedom and well-being of others. We're giving up some of those things right now, gathering in person for worship, singing in person together, sitting side by side on a lonely day. We are giving up those things as part of our freedom, as part of our freedom to live in love for the freedom and well-being and life of others. The scripture gives us a moral measure of how we live out our freedom. Are we using our freedom for the freedom of others? The Apostle Paul would use the word love. Are we using our freedom in and for love? This is no small matter. This is at the very heart of God's saving love for us in Jesus Christ, for freedom. Christ has set you free. In Jesus Christ, God has come to us and embodied God's word of freedom, God's work of freedom in our flesh. For freedom, Christ has set us free to do the work of freedom. And Christ's freedom envisions nothing less than a new creation a new heaven and a new earth, freedom to create a new world with God. God's freedom envisions a world where every child wakes up in the morning in a place of shelter and rest, where children aren't kept in detention camps, where they're not separated from their families. God's freedom envisions a world where all God's children can walk American streets without fear of vigilante or police violence because of their race. God's freedom 
envisions a world where we act in freedom to protect each other's well-being and health and lives, wearing masks, giving up for a time the things we love to do. God's freedom envisions a world where all God's children are free to work for the freedom of all God's children. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Whose freedom? For whose freedom has Christ set us free? For the freedom of all God's children. And it's only in doing that work, only in doing that work, that we will ever be free.